0: Welcome to Finance with Factor, a place you can come to laugh and learn from local experts about everything related to the world of real estate. Each week we cover a unique topic to help you understand the mortgage industry, navigate the home buying process and grow your business while maintaining a slice of sanity. Now that he has climbed safely atop his soapbox, here is your host, a senior loan officer with Mortgage Network, Jason Factor,
1: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Finance with Factor. Thank you very much for joining us in the spirit of Thanksgiving. I want to pause right before we begin here and say that I deeply and sincerely appreciate everybody who makes five minutes of the 30 that I put out every week to tune in. Uh, Whether you're doing this in your car or on a boat somewhere nice and warm, wherever you are, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Today, we are going to continue part three of our networking series. So this month, I've been talking about getting back out in person and doing some networking. We've spoke with Max Perkins about his sort of side hustle and how he leverages his side business or businesses to feed and generate leads for his primary business as a realtor. We've spoken with Judy Caso about uh, in-person networking, some of the tips and strategies to be successful. And today... I'm very happy to be joined by Michael Chase, the Managing Director of the Boston office from Northmark. He is, I think, an exceptional networker in that the way he uses organized networking to feed his business and to make connections. In fact, Michael and I first met at a BU Alumni networking event, and he is a member of the BU Alumni Real Estate Network, CCIM, uh, ARIA, BNI, I could go on with all kinds of acronyms that mean absolutely nothing to you unless you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but before I do that, perhaps I should introduce Michael Chase. Welcome to the podcast. Jason, well, uh, thank you for having me this morning. Um, perhaps uh, before we get going, what groups are you involved in? And did I even touch the surface?
2: Oh, uh, no, you, you pretty much covered most of them. Um, <laughs> I'm a member of uh, the New England CSAM chapter where I am currently the vice president and will be serving as the incoming president for 2022. I am the commercial committee chair for ARIA Boston. Uh, I'm active in the BNI network that you and I are both a part of. I'm also a member of of a provisor's chapter here in the Boston area um, and uh, try to remain active in the Boston University Alumni Association, uh, which again, as you mentioned, we first met at. Um, I'm also active on the Programs Committee of REFA Boston, which is part of the Greater Boston Real Estate Board. Um, in addition to these groups uh, that I'm actively part of, I also have affiliations with the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, uh, the Certified Real Estate Investors Network, um, and then other trade organizations that our office are part of include ULI, NIOP, uh, CRE etc the you know where other members in our office are members and actively part of. And so you can see why I have Michael on for this <laughs>
1: um, so why do you join so many chapters like why are you involved in so many networking groups Michael
2: it's a great question so I find that each of them have a little bit of a, a, a different flavor uh, and bring a little bit of something different to the table um, And so, for example, uh, my participation with the Real Estate Finance Association, which is part of the Greater Boston Real Estate Board, um, that is an organization I join and participate on. to kind of get best practices. Uh, That's a group that is predominantly other finance professionals. There are developers, there are borrowers in that organization, but it's mostly um, finance professionals. So it's a lot of people doing what I do. So when I show up to those events, um, there is some, excuse me, some opportunities for client networking, but mostly it's kind of hearing what is going on in the industry and what are the best practices. Um, The New England CCIM CCIM chapter, which is part of the CCIM Institute, um, that's a great organization for continuing education opportunities and professional development, as well as connecting with other real estate practitioners here in the region and nationally. Um, So that's a great one for networking within the industry. And then some general networking groups, as we mentioned, BNI, a chapter that you and I belong to, as well as provisors. These help to broaden uh, my networking by introducing me to people, professionals in other areas and other industries that I don't normally interact with on a day-to-day basis. So you have your best practices within your industry, networking with other people broadly within your industry, and then just touching on various other industries. And so
1: it sounds like there are a couple of kind of categories that you assign groups to. And then how you dedicate your time, I'm sure, to each group depends on the ret- the rate of return, essentially. But you've got networking to build your your network, right? Your connections. Networking to build your knowledge, and then networking to generate leads. And and, and, and sometimes those intersect, obviously.
2: Exactly. I, I would, as you mentioned, those might be the primary purpose for for being parts of those, but they all have lead generation, networking, education, you know, components to them. Um, they're just kind of illustrating what some of the primary purposes are in my mind for joining some of those groups.
1: And now, how do you um, differentiate or prioritize your time as you're going through them? I know you're on leadership in a number of those groups. Some you're more of a passive member and some you're an extremely active member. So in your mind, for someone who is, say, even equally involved, but maybe swimming in over their head and feeling a bit overwhelmed. How do you tend to divide up your time or, or prioritize the various groups that you're involved in?
2: Um, another great question. But you know what? Let me take one step back and talk about one other aspect um, that's really important when deciding which kind of groups to belong to. And that is the values and mission of the organization and the group. And, and do they... Um, Do they coincide with what you are doing and what your personal mission and values are for example my participation with um, aria boston um, their mission of course is to promote home ownership amongst the aapi community which is something that's important to me which is why i want to be involved with them and certainly now helping them grow their commercial sphere Um, so in addition to just business development there's also you know Uh, volunteer organizations and other things of that nature um, that you join again, because uh, you agree with their mission and values and they, you know, complement what you're looking to do personally. So then um, how do you, how do you decide where to participate? Because we all have our day jobs too, nine to five. And most of these positions are of course volunteer. Um, Or even worse, you
1: pay to get in.
2: (laughs) that really is up to the individual and how much time they feel that they can dedicate. Um, and it can ebb and flow, uh, as you know, in our own BNI chapter, um, two years ago, I was on the executive committee there and, and part of the executive leadership team there. And then as I transitioned and became part of executive leadership positions and say the New England CCIM chapter, or took on the responsibility of being a chair for ARIA Boston, I, step back in my B and I role so I could dedicate time in other areas. So that they can um, ebb
1: and flow a bit and, right, and you right. can be in various leadership positions at the same time without overcommitting yourself on every right. front. Right. You know, you can only burn the candle at so many ends.
2: Exactly. And you do a disservice if you're trying to be de- everything to all groups as well. I think you have to be realistic with yourself, your own time commitments, your job and your family come first, of course. And then what can you do when you're networking? Um, but one thing I would stress is I'm not going to be a, a passive member or just a member of any organization. Uh, I want to participate. And we encourage that within our office when we tell people, uh, tell the younger people in our office, especially anybody in our office, if they want to become members of an organization or a chapter or group, that's perfectly fine. But we don't want them to just hold a membership. We want them to be active. We want them to find out what committees there are, what leadership opportunities are, and to get involved. Because really, when it comes to networking and business development, it's the relationships that you build most often in those, and by participating in the organization and helping it grow and helping it advance and helping it plan that really you carry on forward far more than just showing up to the monthly or quarterly event, trying to do, you know, 20 minutes of open networking before panel discussion. Um, So uh, that's why I don't, I'm not a member of every organization in Boston. And that's why we divide it up because we have a member in our office who's an active member of NIOP. We have a member in our office who's an active member of ULI. Um, whereas I've taken on the responsibility of being an active member of RIFA. and uh, some mm-hmm. of
1: those So I've done you a bit of a disservice. Michael Chase, Managing Director at Northmark, you mentioned you have an office. What do you guys do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, that, my, my day job, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: um, you're not a professional networker. <laughs> Why are you in these groups? What do they bring to you at the table? What do you actually do for a living?
2: <laughs> so um, we are a commercial capital intermediary, a commercial mortgage banker or mortgage broker in layman's terms. We help arrange debt and equity for owners and investors and developers of commercial real estate. Um, we are a direct lender for Fannie, Freddie, and FHA when it comes to multifamily. We have one of the largest networks of institutional lenders, life insurance companies, and pension funds where we're a correspondent for over 50 of those uh, institutions. And we also maintain relationships with all of the local regional national banks, as well as other private debt funds and other sources of capital. Uh, people come to us when they're looking for real estate financing beyond just a great rate. And, and so
1: you mentioned national. You have a national footprint with you know, your kind of hands. You can finance pretty much anywhere in the country. How has your involvement in those groups helped you sort of source business from outside of maybe your natural network, right? So you are the managing network of, or you are the managing director of the Boston area um, branch of your bank. But how have you outsourced business from, say, Florida or Arkansas? Like, I've seen you do deals all over the place. And are those connections that you're making through some of these
2: networks? Um. Another great question. Absolutely. Uh, you, When you're networking within these organizations, some of them are local, part of being local, a chapter, but they're also part of larger national or international organizations. And you can always leverage those connections as you, uh, especially as you're participating, you start to get involved and you start to meet people from other areas of the country um, and they may be able to refer business to you they may be able to help you with the transaction um, as you mentioned jason about you know 40 of what the volume that we do in a given in a given year is outside of new england out of our office so there are many opportunities where i'm reaching out into another market i'm talking to the other local office of northmark that may be there but i may be also tapping on other professionals um, that are in need, whether they be appraisers, uh, environmental providers, insurance providers, attorneys, um, other professionals and who I may perhaps met or networked with through many of these organizations.
1: And as you're, so uh, you're sourcing business from maybe outside of your natural network, you're getting involved in these various groups, um, not only to build some credibility, but, also, I would imagine visibility. And I've heard you refer to um, your networking as sort of building out a toolbox. Could you fill out that analogy for me? And, and maybe what you just discussed is, is a perfect example.
2: Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, visibility, credibility, leading to profitability, that's, a, that's kind of a and i ac- acronym. acronym. Um, there's also, you know, getting to know, like, and trust people. Uh, so all of the, this is why it's so important to participate in these organizations, to be on committees, to be on boards, so that you're actively working with these other people so that you can demonstrate to them uh, your professionalism, your, and your ability to, to, to see a project through. And then at the same time, you learn about who they are, both personally and professionally, so that when it comes time for um, a client who reaches out and says, "You know what? I have a need," and it may not be something that I do in my day-to-day profession as a commercial mortgage banker, mortgage broker, but because of my networking, I generally have someone who fits that need, someone who I've been interacting with and uh, working with on, you know, through these various uh, organizations and committees, and that I can say, "Yes, I know who I can refer to you," and I feel very confident in their ability to serve the needs that you have. And I know that they will make me look good um, in, in, in my client's eyes and my prospect's eyes as well.
1: And it, it helps you retain the business too, right? Absolutely. Like if, if you become the point of contact, the funnel through which information flows, they keep coming back to you. That strengthens your relationship with that client, even if that client is just looking to get their you know, house painted, which has nothing to do with commercial
2: real estate. Absolutely. So it's one of those things where, you know, what can I do to differentiate myself from other people who are doing what I do? Well, I can help you in other ways beyond just my role. So Mm -hmm. a great example of that, Jason, is, you know, uh, my largest client happens to be an institutional uh, equity fund owner of, uh, of industrial real estate nationwide. Um, their head of finance, uh, I think within the last year and a half, uh, had moved back to the Boston area, was renting, and uh, they bought a house. And I, when I was talking to him about that that upcoming purchase or they were in the market, I asked, hey, do you have a residential finance guy? Because that's not something I do. And he said he didn't. And guess who I referred? My, uh, my favorite residential mortgage banker, a guy who gets five-star ratings all across, across the board was Jason Factor. <laughs> Never so, heard of him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize that's who that was when Casey we did that
2: great you helped him out he he felt really comfortable working with you uh really appreciate it i'm sure you've interacted since then and that just helps solidify that relationship um yeah. you know making that great recommendation a great referral um for something that i wasn't able to do directly but again filling that need uh, and you know being a differentiator yep
1: yeah. And and just like that proactive outreach, I mean, again, um, Michael and I actually first met at a, an alum, a BU alumni, Boston University alumni networking event. Um, and you've sort of spoken about how you use the groups, but I'd be curious, how do you actually? Well, let me rephrase. We've discussed how you actually leverage the groups in terms of philosophy, you know, philosophically, you know, to get involved, to be visible, to be a leader within the room. Um, but how do you actually work the room? Like, how do you you walk into a networking event, and maybe it's been a while. <laughs> um, what are sort of like mentally, how do you? Uh, what is your approach to going to a networking event? Maybe we'll start before you even walk in the room. Like, what is your approach when an event's upcoming and you decide I'm going to try to make that event, and I register? What are you looking to get out of that interaction, and what is your approach
2: before you even show up? Um another great question, Jason. And I, I will say that networking and being a, an extrovert does not necessarily come naturally to me. So, me neither, uh, which is of, why I
1: asked you the question, because I think you do a good <laughs> job of all of this.
2: I <laughs> mean, one of my strengths that I've try to bring to the table for my clients is I believe I'm, I'm very good on the operation side, um, being a, a, a very, very, uh, Bring technical expertise to every uh, opportunity and transaction I look at. Um, But I will admit there are others, uh, both within our office and within the industry, who are just phenomenal relationship builders and networkers. And another reason for joining some of these organizations, such as the group that we're part of, Jason, is it helps me practice networking. It helps me get in there every week, week in, week out, and get up, talk about what I do, what I'm looking for, meet other people who are just uber networkers uh, who are at the top of their game and be inspired by what they're doing. Judy, you mentioned, was on your podcast previously. Um, I'm so inspired by you know her, tire, her her energy, her tirelessness and her her uh, being fearless, just being ready to go into any room and make connections. So I and take she's one where you it. talk
1: about like, the naturally gregarious outgoing person. So for those of you who didn't listen to the last podcast, um, now there's a second in the room who believes that she is just an exceptional networker um, at doing these in-person networking things. Um, Exactly. And and I agree with you, like there are those people that just kind of walk into a room and own it for whatever reason, right? They're just charismatic in a way that they just look cool and people want to talk to them. Then there are people like us that sort of just like, no offense, Michael, but there's... (laughs) (laughs) walk in and we can be invisible if we really wanted to be right um so now that we've sort of like prepared we've said hey this is a meeting that I think is worth it I'm gonna go I'm gonna go because I think so-and-so might be there or I'm gonna go because I'm interested in the content or because I have to or because my wife said I need to get out of the house tonight whatever it is right um once I get there what do you have sort of like a a crutch or a strategy or a a way that you tend to approach the actual networking within a big room of people where everyone's sort of having one-off conversations.
2: Yeah, so definitely there are some strategies that I try to employ, and uh, I think I've hopefully become better at them over the years. So first of all, showing up. Um, you you know if you're not uh, you know what what do they say? So much about business is just being there, being present. So. What I've learned again through networking with people like yourself and others is, you know, there were times I think when I was young in the business where I might sign up for an event and then decide, oh, it's a little late, the traffic, the weather, and maybe I don't show up or "Or if I leave early. No, now I've learned, you know, to be a good networker to get the most out of the benefit. When you sign up for something, when you make that commitment, you show up and when you show up, you stay. Um, if you if I can, I try to see what the attendance looks look, what the attendance list will look like beforehand to kind of plan a strategy of who I want to meet with. If an attendance list is not available, then when I as soon as I get there, I try to arrive a little bit early and I take a look at the registration table, look at the name badges who's going to be there, who do I want to make sure that I speak with and interact with um, as I'm moving around the room or working looking to network. Um, When I'm talking with people, an important thing is that they are the focus of your conversation, that you're not being distracted, you're not looking over their shoulder, looking for the other person who you're hoping to meet with. You know, when you're talking with that person, you're invested in what they're having to say, because you never know, you know, even though they may not be the best direct connection for you or you never know who they know, and they may be a great yep. referral. So you, you never want to seem as if you're not interested in who they are, or that you're looking to go somewhere else. Um, when you're collecting, a, when I collect a business card from someone, I will often, you know, I always have a pen on me, and I'm, and I will often ask, hey, do you mind if I make a little note on the back? I will admit that's one of my kind of weaknesses is I'm not the greatest with names. So um, I'm constantly making little notes on those business cards remind me, who this was or why it was important for me to follow up with them. Um, and then, you know, I give a proper amount of time and then I move on um, and just kind to read body language when it's appropriate to break into a conversation. Um, always kind of hang out maybe by the coffee bar if it's the morning or by the bar, because that's everybody's going to be going to get their, their drink, whether it's coffee in the morning or drink at night. And that's where you get to meet the most people. Um, and then, like I said, just staying until the end. Um, And then most importantly, after the event, it's the Mm follow-up. So many people drop the ball when it comes to the follow-up. So I've gone, I've met people, I've collected the business cards, I've made their notes. When I get home, I'm going to connect with them on LinkedIn. I'm going to follow up with a message. I'm going to try to get that follow-up meeting. And Um, I will say
1: Michael is great at that. One, because he did it with me, right? So he and I met at a VU networking event. We stayed in touch. It's turned into reciprocal business over the years, um, I would hope. Um, And, you know, like I I know going into the the holiday season here, the new year, whether it's a partner's work party or a partner's event or your own networking events or holiday party, there are going to be a lot of opportunities to maybe walk into a room with a bunch of strangers and maybe it's the first time in two years that you get to do something like that. And so getting back in practice of that, um, Michael, you you not in addition to all the organized networking events that you go to, you also go to a number of sort of one-off networking events, you know, whether it's small business forums or or other sort of theme-based event events and networking events. Um, you're exceptional at the follow-up there as well, because I've seen you use those, you know, like SBA networking events to then either generate connections or business. Can you speak to a little bit about um, you've made a connection at one of these events, and now you've done some follow-up work. Is there sort of uh, a process to that in your mind, or do you have a process of elimination in who you follow up with, or is it just scattershot, I'm going to follow up with everyone I met with?
2: I try to follow up with everybody who I meet with. Over the years, I've come to realize that anybody can be a network, anybody can be a valuable connection. Anybody may may know somebody who can be a valuable connection. I think when I was younger in the industry, when I was first starting out networking, I thought, oh, I had to stick to my lane. So I would stick to real estate focused industry or trade groups. And now I've realized uh, through the process of, of networking beyond my industry, how important it is to meet professionals a wide variety of professionals, so um, I think there's an opportunity to network and make connections in almost any setting, and when I go into these events, I try to think about when I meet people, how can I help them? As I'm listening to someone tell me what they do, I'm trying to think through my own Rolodex. Who do I know who could be a benefit? Who could I introduce this person to? Um, what is does it need that I could help fill for them? Uh, I'm not necessarily going there to get direct lead generation for myself. Um, and when you do that, when you help somebody, uh, when you help fill a need for them, the reciprocity just comes back. Um, and then of course, as we talked about the follow-up, the follow-up is so important. And connecting with people on LinkedIn. I send them a message and, you know, it was great to meet with you at such a, such an event because it's, it's very helpful to leave that little breadcrumb for yourself yeah. so that, you know, two months later, three months later, as you're going back through all of your connections, you go, Oh, who was this person? How did I meet with them? I can look back at that message history and say, Oh yeah. Okay. Now I remember how I grew connected with this person uh, and it allows me to continue that follow-up. Michael
1: is, um, one of the most well-informed people in my personal network i think every single time that i speak with you michael i either learn something you bring information about things that isn't just blowhardness you actually bring information that is credible and well researched even when it's about you know like porcupines of africa or something random michael will have information about that that seems at least well informed and I genuinely appreciate the fact that, I don't even know if there are porcupines in North Africa. I don't
2: think we talked about that recently. So no. I don't want people to think but, that that's a thing that I've been looking into and researching. But, but
1: my point is, Michael will know, like I, I appreciate the fact that you are always bringing credible information and credibility to our interactions, to the introductions that I send your way and vice versa. Um, and I hope that for everyone listening today, This was another example of someone who actually knows what they're talking about. When I say we can leverage these networking groups to your benefit, hopefully you took something out of this. Um, Michael, thank you very much for joining. I I sincerely appreciate it.
2: You're very welcome, Jason. Thank you for having me on here and for uh, continuing to promote our networking group through your podcast. And anybody who's listening, um, please feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm more than happy to connect. Uh, and we'd love to you know learn about you and what you're doing um, and talk further. So Jason, thank you. If,
1: if you would like to reach out to Michael, uh, the best way to connect is usually on LinkedIn. Um, what are the other ways that people can reach out to you?
2: Um, that's probably the best way. You can also find me on our corporate website, Northmark, N-O-R-T-H-M-A-R-Q.com. Um, and you can look up our Boston office there.
1: Perfect. And, um, before we sign off, um, one more thing. For those of you who are listening and like what you've heard or want to go back and listen to past podcasts, please like, share, follow this podcast. For every single new subscriber through the rest of this year, you will generate a $10 donation to the Friends of Boston Homeless, an organization that I know Michael and I are both involved in. So. Please, if you see this podcast pop up on your feed, if you have a chance to grab your partner's phone, feel free to follow it for them too. I don't object to, I don't object to uh, to forced follows. Um, so, thank you very much, Michael. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Hope everyone enjoys a wonderful Thanksgiving and a happy New
2: Year as we approach the holiday season. Thank you, Jason. Happy holidays to you and your family, and to your listeners as well. Thank you for
0: listening to this episode of Finance with Factor please remember to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Then if you really like us, unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Of course, that can be our secret, but it helps our ratings. Have an idea for an upcoming topic you want us to cover? Post a comment. For the full video version of this episode or any of our previous episodes, please find, like, and follow Jason on YouTube or Facebook at Jason Factor Mortgage Network and on Instagram at Finance with Factor. All content on Finance with Factor is self-published by Jason Factor, Senior Loan Officer, NMLS number 1401985. All rates, guidelines, and advice discussed on this episode is subject to change. For a full list of disclosures, visit the License and Disclosure page at
2: jasonfactor.com.